Welcome to the Behind the Goals podcast, the podcast about fans, for fans and by fans. Please welcome your hosts, Andrew Jenkin and Alan Russell. Hello and welcome to Behind the Goals episode 20 uh, and the third of our Masterclass series, which is a series of one-off episodes where we speak to a range of different experts around a different range of topics which we think will help community-owned sports clubs and community sports clubs at all levels of um, Scottish sport. Uh, uh, This week, we're very lucky because we have friend of mine from university, Aaron Fulton, uh, from Sterling, and who's now the intern and uh, volunteer manager at Paz. So we're very lucky to have Aaron here to talk about volunteering. Yeah, everything you ever wanted to know about volunteering and, and much, more, much more. And more, yeah. yeah. And, and her cake selection sounds <laughs> particularly good. So uh, we'll dive into the uh, podcast now. So Aaron, thank you very much for joining us on the, the Masterclass series. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Um, So you've joined us from Paz, uh, which, please do explain what Paz is. Okay, so yeah, Paz is um, Scotland's leading people in place charity. Um, We basically help get people involved in planning and placemaking. Um, So we like town planning, urban design, things like that. Um, It might not, you know, be the sort of thing that people think, oh yeah, that's like where I'm going to have a say. Um, but actually it affects everyone's lives so you know we all live in places we all work in places and we want to make sure that they have the right functions and services and also the right design to support us basically throughout our whole lives um so what PAS does is that they um provide advice so they have volunteers who are professional planners who you can get in touch with um and say oh look there's a development happening near me like I want to put a comment in or even I'm putting a shed up in my garden like what are the planning conditions around that and um, our professional uh, planning volunteers will uh, give them a bit of guidance on that so they can take their projects forward um, but we also do like community engagement and that's an increasing part of what we do so we run workshops with the community to help basically shape the places that they live so um, we'll sort of do a bit of a survey sometimes use place standard which you can look up online if you want to find out more about that um, and that kind of asks about you know the facilities and the amenities in your area do you feel safe um, how's traffic and travel in your area do you feel like you've got influence and control over decision makings um, decisions that are happening um, in your life so um, we do a bit of a survey and then we get ideas down on paper and we usually write that up into a bit of a report for say the council or whoever our client kind of is at that time mm. Volunteers are a big part of what we do and um, they support all those workshops. They're very knowledgeable, very experienced um, and they, you know, help facilitate those discussions so people um, get the most out of them, basically. So that, that's kind of what PAS does in a nutshell. It's very varied. And you're the volunteers and intern manager at PAS? Yes, I am. So we've got around about 400 um, volunteers. A lot of them are from like a built um, environment background, but actually increasingly we're looking to expand that because people have many different skills and experiences that they can bring to PAS and um, make our work even more effective. So we're broadening our range a little bit. And part of that is um, we've just launched a youth volunteer programme. So that's really exciting to sort of help support young people and feel like they are empowered to shape the places that they live and that they can encourage their peers to do the same thing. So the systems and the processes that people have to go through when they're thinking about developing the place where they live and and, and trying to get a bit of agency over it, they're quite complex. Exactly. Um, it must be a bit of a, an impenetrable 
yeah, field to get into yeah. when people are starting out. So I think that's exactly why PAS came to be, basically, because it's, you know, the planning system, semi-legal, it's quite confusing. And sometimes I think people think, I don't know about any of this, like, I'm just not even going to bother getting involved. Or if they do, they get themselves entangled and anxious. Um, so PAS is basically to try and make that journey a bit easier and to make sure that everyone has... Um, the way to you know the ability to have a say about the places that they live and if you are a community sports club listening to this and you might instantly you know automatically not recognize what your role is within what you're talking about there but if you were a community sport club that was thinking about taking on an asset or mm-hmm. developing a facility, yeah. or even just engaging more in the community, then they could potentially come to PAS for some advice. And, and these are all things that would affect a club, aren't they? Yeah, absolutely. So they could go onto the PAS website, which is just www.paz.org.uk. We've got an inquiries tab, and you can um, put the details of your inquiry down there, and that will get sent on to our advice service. Excellent. So uh, the reason what we're um, speaking to you today is about volunteering. Yeah, my speciality. Which is your speciality and something that we've been very keen to uh, help support clubs with further because it's such a crucial part of community sport across the UK, not only in Scotland. And even when I was doing a bit of research here, apparently there's 400,000 volunteers that help make up the, uh, the kind of the sport landscape in the UK. So such a crucial part of of i suppose not only numerous sort of community organizations but massive massive for sports clubs themselves yeah absolutely and it helps you know make them happen but also to um make sure that people because people are really passionate about these um areas and and it's a way of them you know being able to give back and um get the the most out of you know their interests and um develop themselves as well but um you know it's a massive health and well-being aspect as well getting people involved with volunteering you know it really strengthens communities strengthens clubs and um, it means that you will have a core of people who whose heart are really in it they're not doing it for any other reason yeah. they're doing it because they absolutely feel so passionate about the project that they're working on mm, absolutely one thing that i find quite interesting talking to people in those situations is they often don't even think of themselves as volunteers, mm. so they're just they're just getting involved. They're they're running they're running the football football club, or they're serving tea on a Saturday morning uh, for, for 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 their kids' games. You know, if you actually said to them, called them a volunteer, they might they kind of raise their eyebrows and say, "Well, am I?" Yeah, it's just part of who they are. It's part of what they do, and it's a big part of their values as mm. well. So yeah, they might not have that dis- you know distinguishing um, area. Mm. So that I suppose leads in quite nicely to. What is volunteering? If you were to sum it up in a couple of sentences. So um, volunteering is sort of individuals giving their time of their own free will, um, not feeling obliged that they have to and not doing it for any financial reward. Of course, a good volunteering policy would include, you know, giving them back expenses sure. and things no like that. But yeah, you know, it is entirely up to them. Um, they're doing it because they really want to. Mm-hmm. And um, just some of the different roles, even there you were talking about uh, what kind of aspects of a club a volunteer might get involved in, but what kind of things might a volunteer engage with a club through? Through all kinds of levels, you know, it can be um, your very occasional roles, so that could be fundraising, so you're going down to your local supermarket to do a bag pack to raise funds, um, but right up to the administration of the club, so you know, your board, um, the people who are really accountable and, you know, where the buck stops for the actual running of the, of the club, you know, it's quite, quite a responsibility that they take on in a voluntary capacity. 
Mm, absolutely. And statutory requirements in a lot of cases for, for doing that kind of work. Yeah, yeah. So even even a bit of research here from, um, I think it was Sport, Sport England, apparently 2.7 billion per annum in terms of volunteers' time. And we're going to talk about how you could measure volunteer value later on, aren't we? But I think yeah. that's probably just a interesting amount as such a huge contribution to scottish sport uk sport through volunteers so i suppose beyond that why is volunteering important well you know it's just it's important you know to the individual so as i mentioned you've got your sort of health and well-being aspects studies have shown that um you know people really um sorry i'm stumbling again um so yeah so you've got like uh, volunteers are important um you know on a national scale so you've got um services being provided by volunteers um they're important to communities because they create active citizens and people who are you know actively involved um in their their clubs and communities and also improves um health or health and well-being for that individual um so you know if you're a new organization um having a volunteer network um provides a, um access to individuals that have skills and expertise and a real passion for their um their local community um so you know we've talked a little bit before about you know you're not paying the volunteers sure. um but you know that's not the only benefit you've got people who are really committed to the cause um and you know are there because they really really want to do it and they will do a good job um and also like for the volunteer themselves you know i've been a volunteer expect you guys have volunteered as well in your own capacities i talk about my volunteering more than i talk about my degree when i go into a job <laughs> interview like it's been an um, incredibly valuable experience for me i've built lots of um skills and knowledge and real practical case studies that i can talk about when i go mm. into a job interview um so that's another benefit for you know the relevance and the importance of volunteering mm. So if you were uh, a community sports club and you currently don't have anything in the way of a kind of volunteering program, you've maybe got like one coach or two coaches who are perhaps volunteers, how would you go about kind of creating something more formal, a bit more structured? Um, what kind of tools would you need to, to make that a reality? Yeah, so I guess you want to start thinking about the the kind of the volunteer cycle, the volunteer journey, if you like, um, from kind of recruitment through to retention to you know the them actually you know performing in their roles as well so um you might want to start thinking about where could you use volunteers you know yeah. where and, and there's probably more areas than you think um so there's stuff like um you know when i worked at reserve previously i had a volunteer administrator who helped me do volunteer hours and things like that so when you really think about it there might be opportunities um that you you haven't considered before um so there's you know stuff like that um so you kind of work work that way what what do you need what do you need from a volunteer drop a role profile um that should outline kind of like um what they will be doing why they're doing it and um what they'll get out of it as well so those are quite um key aspects to include in that that also um will serve the kind of basis for an advert um, which you can put out on various websites. I'm sure there's sports websites that you can use to advertise that way. Um, and there's also um, places like Volunteer Scotland, which will advertise your roles for you too. Um, and 
all areas will have a kind of third sector interface. Mm. Um, so in Edinburgh, we've got Volunteer Edinburgh. Um, and so just look up your local one and they'll be able to advertise roles for you as well. Um, from there on, you know, you kind of want to make sure that you get the right person for the role. Um, so invite them in for a chat if you get a response. Invite them in for a chat to find out more, to find out what they want from that role too. You want to make sure that it's a two-way process. You know, mm-hmm. the volunteer gets out as much of it as you do from them. Um, so invite them in for a chat, make sure any questions that they have are answered and that if you've got any questions for them, that they are able to, to answer them too. Um, so, you know, once you've got that, that's kind of your, your, your basis for, um, getting uh, volunteers involved. It's also useful to take like a bit of an, an audit if you already have volunteers involved in your club to think about, um, you know, who, how many have you got? Um, what skills they've got, um, policies and procedures. So that's quite important to include for volunteers as well. Um, so that, you know, it can be your health and safety, um, a sort of uh, complaints or problem solving procedure too, because hopefully they won't come up, but you know, you've got to always be prepared for if they do. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, stuff like recognising your volunteers too. So do you, do you um, account for their hours? Do you... Um, make sure that you're recognizing them that way have you got like a long service system in place it kind of just depends on where you are in in your volunteer journey if you like um, from engaging volunteers um training and development as well it's really important i think people think oh they'll just turn up mm. you know and they'll just do their thing but actually even for the the what seems like the smallest of roles there's always a kind of training and development opportunity even if it's just a come in, sit down before your, have a briefing, before your fundraising activity, this is where we'll be, this is what we're going to do, can be over the phone, you know, it doesn't need to be a massive, like, set up with spreadsheets and flip charts and <laughs> icebreakers, and, but we all love that, um, but it doesn't need to be complicated, um, and it's real good opportunity to get to know your volunteers as well, so, you know, think about what you've already got set up in place, um, and, um, any safeguarding strategies that you need to put in place as well for working with young members or even young volunteers because mm. they don't have to always be over 18 um, people 18 and under will get a lot out of volunteering too so just make sure that everything's set up for them that way um, so that's probably a good place to start is a, yeah. bit of, bit of a, a bit of an overview a bit of an assessment mm. of um, where you are with um, volunteering and your volunteering systems at the moment and uh, take it from there and think about what do you need mm. who do you need why do you need them mm. So the bit that stuck out there for me was the two-way, it should be a two-way kind Absolutely. of street, which I think probably gets overlooked quite a lot, doesn't it? Um, it shouldn't. Yeah. <laughs> but I think it makes for a really good quality experience if you think of it as a two-way thing. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not just coming in to do free stuff for you, but likewise, while there's sort of like different opinions on this, make sure that they're, they're coming in for a valuable experience. You probably will be able to find... Mm-hmm good, valuable, meaningful work for them to do. Um, but if for some reason, or if you haven't got the capacity to support a, a person who wants to volunteer, there'll be other places who are looking for volunteers and support them to find another placement. Mm-hmm. Um, and that can be through, like we mentioned earlier, your local volunteer interface, or just keep them on your books. You know, just say, like, really sorry, but we haven't got something at the moment. Um, but, you know, if you don't mind me keeping your name and your email address, then we can get in touch. Um, if something relevant comes up or do feel free to give us a call in six months time and we can let you know what we've got going on it's important to support the volunteers and I in my role I like to have quite a relationship uh, based management strategy which means that the volunteers 
know who I am. I'm very approachable. They can pick up the phone. They can say, Erin, did this thing today. Like, wasn't that great? And here's why. And I'll listen. We'll have a chat about it. We'll work out a solution that way. It's all very friendly and um, approachable and easygoing. Um, it's one of the reasons I got Twitters. <laughs> <laughs> it's so people so, can contact you. Exactly. Anytime. People can contact me in different ways. But it is important to make sure that volunteers are properly supported um, to make sure that they enjoy themselves, that they yeah, have fun, um, and also, um, if anything goes wrong, that you're you're available mm-hmm. to, to support them through that, does mean that somebody should be assigned to give them that support. Mm-hmm. And it takes a little bit of time and thought. Mm-hmm. So the focus is all around it being enjoying, fulfilling, yeah. and not just being showing up to do free work. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Volunteering um, is sort of changing over the years, and, and especially more recently, like, people have lots of different things to be spending their times on they could be going to gigs they can watching their netflix series you know why should they volunteer mm. it's it's an experience you know so it has to be a worthwhile experience it has to be an enjoyable experience otherwise they're going to be like no sorry i'm going to take up this pilates class you know <laughs> so yeah you know you have to make it worthwhile for them but actually if you do that yeah, you have a really good all-round experience. You, as you know, as a volunteer manager yourself, will have a have a better experience. Um, you'll feel like you're doing the best for them. You mm. really will because you will have to go the extra mile because there's nothing. They're not staying there for anything, you sure. know. So it has to be like, sort of them knowing you builds that commitment and also you know feeling that they're valued, that they're useful, um, and making it a good rewarding experience for them. Mm. Will we'll make will. Help everyone perform at their best, basically. Mm. I think a, a lot. I mean, you're going a little bit off off topic into broader issues here. Mm. I think in more modern world, a lot of things are disconnected, and everything you can do through an app, but actually, you know, doing something face to face, human interaction is a, is often the bit that's missing for people. And yeah, I, I think of some of the studies that they do around. I think it's a global happiness index. One of the things it measures is kind of connectedness in the sense of being a part of something. Yeah. Uh, and that, that seems to be one of the big places you can get that, that sense of, yeah, of connectedness yeah, yeah, yeah. is by, by doing this kind of stuff. Yeah, and I guess that comes down to how you um, also support your volunteers. I think that feeling of being connected to a wider cause and a wider network, whether you emphasise that to them, to your volunteers through communications like at PAS, we've got Volunteer Direct, we've got a newsletter. In my role at Girl Guide In, we've got our Facebook page. Um, so just helping them feel, because sometimes volunteer roles are not, they, are, they can be quite solitary, they can even be virtual, which is great. Mm. But having that connection and that just like phoning them up and being like, just checking in with you, just make sure you're getting on okay. Um, if you've got any questions or queries, like I'm here to answer mm. them for you. Like, yeah, it makes it a much more enjoyable experience and they don't feel neglected. So one thing that you said there, which I guess worth picking up on, is um, about, you know, if, if you don't do the, the programme properly and you don't kind of commit proper resources mm. to it or have somebody there dedicated to help that person, probably a retention level is pretty low. So if you actually invest in it and you make it worthwhile, you're going to have better volunteers, happier volunteers, your retention rate will be higher. Yeah, exactly. Your retention levels will be will be much more improved. So then you don't have to go out and find another five volunteers <laughs> in a year's time. But it's an interesting point you make on um, retention. Um, if anyone cares to read it, there's a good report on uh, volunteering called the New Alchemy Report, which I kind of picked up on via Shelter Scotland through an interesting talk they had. Um and through that kind of meeting I had with other volunteer managers, we talked a little bit about, about retention. One, you know, 
do be prepared for your volunteers to leave. Like, life changes. Mm. You know, people have babies, people move, they get other interests. Um, so be prepared for them to leave and to make sure that that, like, that they're thanked for their involvement. Sure. Um, that, you know, that, that they feel that their time has been valued. They might come back. Volunteers will leave, you know. It's, you know, change days. Um, people will not stay in them for masses lengths of time. Um, but, you know, a good way of retaining volunteers is by that sense of connection, basically, mm-hmm. and that kind of sense of loyalty to the club or to the manager, to the friends who are probably also doing it. Mm. That's, you know, a big key part. And when you have got somebody that's interested and in, you've got to the stage where they're about to start, what do you need to have anything formal in place in terms of not nothing presumably as formal as a contract, but some sort of terms of reference for each other in terms of yeah. what you can expect from one another? So that's um yeah an excellent thing to have on to just make sure that everyone understands their expectations quite explicitly from both sides. Um, a lot of places have a volunteer handbook at PAS. We're just sort of revamping ours, so it makes it look like a nice attractive piece that we give to volunteers when they start volunteering, uh, nice and colourful. Um. It sort of outlines our expectations of them and their expectations of us as well and, and what they should expect or what procedures um, they can go through if things are not quite right. Um, but, you know, also how we will support them and um, kind of their expectations with regards to expenses and stuff like that. So that can be um, in a volunteer handbook. Within our volunteer handbook at PAS, we also have a volunteer agreement. Um, so obviously volunteers are not obliged to be there for any length of time. There are volunteers, they can exit at any point um but the volunteer agreement usually just says something like ours at the moment i think says i will agree um i'm signing to agree by the terms and conditions as outlined in the volunteer handbook um and that's basically like when you're out and about as a volunteer you're representing paths so we expect sure. you to yeah, yeah. be respectful and uh, be impartial we have our paths values outlined there so if a club has their values then they that's the place that they want to put them and they might want to have a chat with a manager or whoever about what that kind of means in context of the volunteer role because sometimes i think they can seem a bit scary but they really do help create a sense of cohesiveness and a shared goal when you are working for or volunteering for a club so um that's that's all it is and it's just really like low level stuff like you know if you're not going to be able to make a volunteering opportunity do let us know as much as far in advance as possible um be respectful um be impartial you are representing uh the organisation when you're when you're out and about basically. Mm. What should organisations have in mind about what they need to provide in order to, um, to to ensure a safe working place or a safe a safe volunteering place, uh, for for people coming along? Um, it strikes me that you mentioned um protection protection of volu- uh, vulnerable groups mm-hmm. earlier. Uh, I'm thinking of things like insurance. Are there other things that they need to have in place that they might not have thought of? Yeah, so that's a good point. Um insurance will be something that you'll need to cover um and it's worth sort of checking with your current insurance policy about whether they would cover any harm or damage that <laughs> would occur to volunteers uh, while they were volunteering for you which hopefully would not happen <laughs> but it's important that you have that um we've mentioned uh, sort of pvg and disclosure schemes for working with children young people and vulnerable groups um, so that's something that's you know would be quite high up there. Also, if you're working with younger people, I would um encourage people to do like a safeguarding training, uh, look into organising that just to make sure that 
everyone sort of understands how to create um a safe space you know so people are not tripping over wires or hurting each other um or even like how to protect yourselves or what to do if you you were to hear disclosure in a more serious context if a young person were to tell you something that made you concerned for their well-being so you want to have the procedure set up sure. to manage that sort of thing um it sounds a little scary but there's a lot of information out there about it um, and it's just make sure that you've got your backs covered and everyone understands what's expected of them Risk assessments, that's also something uh, worth um, having. They, they shouldn't take very long, they shouldn't be very complicated, but it does help you walk through like what you're going to be doing. So you're going to be down at the supermarket doing a, a you know, bag pack. Like, what do you need to look out for? Are the members of the public there, will you be getting under their feet? Um, will there be people under the age of 18 there? Do they need to be supervised? Do you need parental consent forms? It helps you walk through it all and think about what is the risk? What do I need to do to mitigate that risk? shouldn't take very long um and it also is a good thing to share with everyone else so they know what to do so um yeah that's an excellent point to to make sure that you've kind of got those um that infrastructure in place okay so um for clubs that have got big volunteer setups and um perhaps want to demonstrate their value in terms of what they're doing within the community, in terms of offering opportunities to young people, in terms of giving them experience and giving them skills, how would you best recommend that organisations and clubs could sort of measure that that kind of value of volunteers? Well, um, just collecting data, I guess, is one of the best ways of kind of measuring that impact. You can do that in different ways. So um, at PAS, we've just started... Um, collecting our volunteer hours because actually we you know we get funding from various places and to have that amounted in hours be like you know volunteers contributed x amount of hours over this past year and usually it's huge um you know really strikes a chord with people who are trying to um support you financially um but also like the volunteers like to see that too they're like oh yeah like we did give a lot you know that does feel good um, so that's one way that you can do it. Um, another way is you can, what we have done before is just kind of like measure um, and record their engagement. So Simon volunteered at a community workshop on this day, um, also engaged at a training on another day. It's important that you also record their training that you provide them because it's something that they are doing to enhance their volunteer role. Um, another way you can do it um, if you have the means is to kind of translate those hours into costs which is also a nice attractive way of framing it and uh, you can do that you know you can choose your choose your line I suppose you could do minimum wage or sometimes if it's a skilled role there'll be different uh, baselines for that but that can also really demonstrate the impact that volunteers are having um, within the club or the organisation um, yeah so there's, I think those are the, the main ways of doing it for the volunteers' perspective as well, um, some organisations offer a long service award, so usually for like five years, ten years, fifteen years, bit of a badge. Some volunteers hate it, find terribly <laughs> embarrassing, but other volunteers really appreciate the recognition. Um, I got my five-year service for volunteering with Guiden when I was a few years ago now, but I just remember feeling like, oh, this is so nice, like I have my little badge that I can put on and People are like, oh, you volunteered for five years for Girl Guide? And I'd be like, yeah, I did, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I've really given back. Um, so that's quite a nice way of recognising the volunteers um, and measure their value in that way. I'm sure there's many other ways to do it. Um, I guess it just kind of depends on what you can record and um, 
yeah and, and what works works for your systems I suppose in the nature of the volunteering that they're given because you can't measure a volunteer's impact an hour really mm. you know yeah. an advice service volunteer for PAS could give 30 minutes of advice but actually mm. really make a big impact to that individual's yeah. life mm. um but we do want to try even in some ways to to quantify how the volunteers are having an impact because they really do and it's really important that we share that with other people mm. in a frame that they understand mm. one powerful thing I've, I've seen some organizations do is find opportunities to to tell the story of, yeah. of of why somebody began volunteering, what it meant to them, wh- how it's changed them, and also how it's changed the, the lives of the people that they've touched. Uh, and that's that, that's really, really powerful. Uh, it's, it's very motivating for the volunteer, but also yeah. for, the organi- for the rest of the organisation. A, a little reminder that this is the difference that they're all making on a daily exactly. basis. And you just, you're, you're just choosing one person to talk about because they've hit five years or... Know, a thousand hours or, or whatever it is yeah. um, but that's that's a good motivating force for for the whole organization yeah so if you've got the capacity for that kind of like communication like for example at PAS we've just got a kind of in focus blog that we've launched and that's when um one of our volunteers will actually interview another volunteer and ask them about their previous experiences mm-hmm. with PAS and you know why did they get involved what motivates them to do this and that will be shared with other volunteers and that will in turn create this sense of connectivity and make them feel like they're mm. part of this bigger network and be like mm. well yeah like we do do quite cool stuff and I guess that's <laughs> the nice thing about storytelling and communications that it it forces you to step back sometimes you're a bit like oh no like I have to do this blog I've not really got time <laughs> for it but actually when you do it you're like oh yeah we do do good stuff and our volunteers do excellent mm. work and mm. it helps you reflect and like you said Alan share with other people the amazing work that the volunteers contribute yeah and actually in the volunteering guidance that we put out, there was a list of all the clubs and they, they've, they've used the kind of measurement of um, hours versus the non-London living wage. Uh, and they kind of showed the amount of hours and how much that would equate to in terms of the people involved yeah. in making their club a success. And there was some research as well in terms of, you know, those community-owned clubs, how much volunteering is worth to, to those clubs in terms of making them actually financially viable, you know. Yeah. Um, so that, you know, you can, you, as you say, Aaron, you can sort of pick and choose, can't you, which way suits you best. Yeah, absolutely. So we um, asked you if you could pull some top tips together if you were a community club. Was oh, this a quiz? This is a, this isn't oh, a quiz. No. It's okay. Aaron's. Uh, oh no, it's not quiz. Curated <laughs> top eight uh, tips for a community sports club. Um, what are the kind of eight things that a, a sports club should think about? Uh, when they've got a volunteering program. Yeah, we're saying eight because I couldn't think of, well, couldn't was, think of ten, gonna, but I... It was going to be ten. But... It's very holistic. You don't want to force it. And that's the thing, is that there's not there's not any wrong way to... Well, there are some wrong ways to do things, but um, by and large, a lot of it is about, you know, getting a feel for what the volunteers want and um, getting to know them and what they want to get out of their experience. So I came up with my eight yeah. top tips Let's that, have number one, that I would go for. So we've got um, promote your volunteer opportunities. So um, you might be surprised where you can find support. So stuff like I mentioned, um, your sort of third sector interface, um, Volunteer Scotland, they've got an advertisement space on their website. I've advertised for volunteers via Gumtree right. and got volunteers via Gumtree. So um, that's, wow. that, that might be a venue for you, but also like talk about it, talk, talk about it to people and be like, oh, what are you up to? And like, oh yeah, we're 
um we're just looking for a new coach at the moment and actually my bit, oh yeah my neighbor did coaching like you said you'd quite like to get into it so that's a really good way yeah of enough. exactly and that's how i got involved with leading a brownie unit right <laughs> because someday i actually overheard a conversation this is me eavesdrop and they were like oh yeah the leader's gonna leave you might need to shut the unit and i was like I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> Two years later. Um, <laughs> it's a very rewarding experience. <laughs> you just had to caveat that though, didn't you? <laughs> um, yeah. So, <laughs> so, so, yeah, promote your volunteer opportunity and you can do it quite creatively. It doesn't need to be um, your standard poster on the wall, although definitely do that. Hmm. Um, think what's, the most the cre- what's the most creative you've had so far then? Oh, I saw a really good cheesy video once on YouTube trying to get volunteers to, um, I think it was like pulling this weed on a reserve and they did this really hilarious, this is an RSPB one, um, video that they, they were sort of like selling it as a kind of like a day out, like a really fun uh, experience, you know, good workout, um, a good way to like network with other members of the community it was just good fun and it was not like high production either it was just somebody on their phone and it was funny I suppose and that's what made it attractive to people and I think that was quite successful for them move on to number two yeah number two please um what did I put for number two uh this you should have (laughs) according to my notes Erin you you said take the time to get to know your volunteers yes that was it that's a very important one um, as I mentioned before, I like to take a sort of relationship-based management approach. And that means um, when a volunteer first sends me their registration form, I always schedule in time for a chat. Um, the other people in the office must be sick to death of me being like, so how did you hear about PAS? And let me introduce myself. Um, but I do like to sort of just chat with them. It's not, it's nothing, it's not an interrogation. It's just a Hiya, I'm Erin. This is Paz. What do you, why do you want to volunteer? Like, what's your background? What's your interests? Where do you want to develop skills? Um, have that conversation and just that's the first opportunity I have to be like, this is, you know, a two-way dialogue. I'm an approachable person. This is very much for you as much as, as it is for Paz. Um, and continue that dialogue where possible. With a volunteer base as big as Paz, it's not possible for me to have you know, one-to-ones every, you know, few months with volunteers to check in how they're doing. Um, but I do make the most and try to go to, along to as many of the training opportunities as possible. We put on around 25 training opportunities for volunteers throughout the year. And I also um, do stuff like the uh, Volunteer Direct, which is our sort of newsletter that we send out to volunteers with news and um, volunteer opportunities. And I always reply to those um, those emails and um, pick up the phone if I can as well and see them in person if they're in town or I'm near where they are um, and that helps you keep the finger on the pulse with what the volunteers um, how they're getting on and, and if you think oh maybe so and so's not feeling so settled yeah. and what can I do to support them throughout that so um, yeah it's a little bit time consuming but I actually don't mind it it's like the favourite part of my job I love speaking to the volunteers I think they do great stuff um, and I just amazed at their dedication so like yeah. don't worry about that it will make it feel it's incredibly rewarding to take the time to get to know the volunteers even if it's just a one-off thing go along say hi thank them in person for mm. what that what yeah. they're doing yeah. so um you talked about having a kind of a key point of contact for volunteers um, yeah. what type so you're quite a, a you're a very friendly approachable person um you know bubbly 
And I wonder what type of characteristics uh, is that, you know, that's what you would, I guess, you would want to have in a, a kind of key point of contact I guess, for a volunteer manager. Yeah, I mean, people are all different and I wouldn't expect everyone to take the same approach as me. It's, it is what feels natural to me and my kind of personality. Not everyone is, like, but people respond to different um, different managers in different ways. So I think as long as you're accessible, mm. you know, and somebody who is interested in people and genuinely wants to do the best for them, that's the kind of person you want, you yeah. know, looking after the after the volunteers. Pads are quite lucky. They've got the means to have a dedicated role, full-time role, yeah. just looking after their volunteers. Totally appreciate that's not the scenario in everywhere. Um, but, you know, volunteers can manage volunteers. In my girl guiding role at the moment, we have a peer education programme. I'm the coordinator for Scotland. It's quite virtual. I do a lot of it over email and Facebook and over the phone. Um, but, you know, I still like to make sure that they can they can contact me. So, you know, it doesn't have to be a staff member if they haven't got time. It can be, a, you know, it can be another one of these volunteer roles that you yeah. think, oh, this is a good opportunity. Mm-hmm. And actually, it's an amazing opportunity to get management skills, to develop people skills. Um, there's lots of information out there for people who are interested, lots of training. Volunteer Scotland's a good place to go for further training mm. if you think you've identified somebody who would be really good for it and just needs a bit of, you know, development, a bit of focus. Sure. Okay. Well, we'll include the website to that in the... Yeah, yeah in the definitely. Notes. They're yeah. excellent. Okay, number three. Uh, make time for training and orientation. <laughs> so I've talked about that before. Um, there's always ways that you can develop your volunteers and upskill them. And it's one of the ways that you can give back to your volunteers as well. So make sure that the experience is worthwhile for them. Um, at PAS, we've recently started sort of recognising that with a little certificate, which means that they can show employers that this, this is a training that they went on to. Um, you'd have to identify what's useful um, and valuable for your volunteers. It might be a one-off thing. It might be this is just relevant for one volunteer to go on this training. In which case, um, you know, you might find an external provider to do that. Or it might be that actually we have people who already volunteer or work for us who are quite knowledgeable about this area. So they can facilitate the training. And trainings are a lot of fun to do. One another fun aspect of my job, which I really like doing, is doing the volunteer welcomes. Um, yeah, and volunteer welcomes are an excellent, some people call them inductions. But because of um, PAS, we've got quite a high sign-up of volunteers. Every few months, I'll just have a bit of a gathering with the new volunteers and some old ones as mm. well, if possible, just to give them that sort of introduction, like, this is PAS, this is mm-hmm. where you could get involved. Um, these are projects that we've been working on, um, stuff like that, yeah. you know, and show face, show that you're interested in them. Yeah. Um, definitely make time for that. Okay. Um, it's a good way to get to know them. Yeah, that does sound like a good, uh, a good kind of icebreaker, certainly. Uh, number four relationship-based management approach yes. which is a very very snappy this is your word of the day yeah words, words of, the of the day i actually picked it up from and they've got a good blog on it um shelter scotland i'll send it to you afterwards um about their kind of management approach and i thought that's very much me that's very much what works for me but also like we talked about building the relationship with people they like that face-to-face interaction it's one of the things that people feel that they're really lacking perhaps in you know this 21st century world that they that they they're looking out for in in a volunteering role Mm -hmm. um so you know and that kind of means like i've said before picking up the phone going to their training saying hello um 
making networking opportunities you know just time to hang out if they like um so yeah that that's an approach that I would highly recommend it might not be for everyone but I think your volunteers would really appreciate it as an opportunity for you to show them that you think they are important and they are valued um because you've made the effort to to speak to them sure okay uh number five I think that was be creative (laughs) <laughs> I, I gave up with the numbers and just went for bullet points uh, switched to lettering point E <laughs> bullet point five. <laughs> point five. Point five. be creative so um, I think maybe you know volunteering's had a bit of like an outdated image and they think that it's for retired people and charity shops mm. which definitely has its place and I love a charity shop you know I love those volunteers who you know help run them Um. But there's, you know, real opportunities to get creative with volunteering and creative with the opportunities that you offer. You know, I was thinking, oh, I could really do a hand with the Volunteer Direct. Um, that's our newsletter. Like, I'm not really in the way of editing stuff or, like, haven't necessarily got the time to, to write things as fun and engaging as I would like. Um, so I got a volunteer for it and she, she wants to be an editor so she's right. thinking this is a great opportunity Perfect. for her yeah. um, I chat to her like every week or so and um, yeah it's going, it's going really well um, and also be creative with your, your kind of promotion as we already mentioned and be creative with your, your training and um, make sure that it's a fun enjoyable experience for everyone mm. I like that, that's good mm-hmm. so there's little roles that um you know quite time consuming but you think somebody else would value the opportunity to to lead on it yeah Um, i think every every organization can think of roles like that yeah Yeah. exactly okay uh blob six on your paper (laughs) dot six (laughs) good communications um so at Paz, we have a newsletter which we send out every two weeks to our volunteers we've also got my twitter Mm -hmm. and this you know helps them which you're very active on I am semi-active on my oh, Twitter. Okay. <laughs> I post every couple of times a week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I know, I know. I haven't got that much um, interesting stuff or the opportunity to take pictures going on day to day. But I am fairly active on Twitter. Um, but yeah, that like helps make you available to the volunteers and also helps them keep up to date with stuff that's going on in the in the club or the organization and um will mean that they feel that they feel informed that they feel part of any changes that they are connected and i think that's one of going to take away anything i think from this podcast is making sure people feel connected to the club and the cause Mm. okay i like that so just ways that you can get everyone to feel a kind of shared sense of belonging yeah shared identity as well especially with a club yeah okay uh seven i think it was have fun yeah we'll go for have fun (laughs) fun. number seven is have fun if you're having fun as a manager then the volunteers will hopefully be having fun as well and um hopefully via the the areas that i you know just mentioned being creative having fun we talked about volunteering being an experience for people you know something that they are not doing other you know time that they're not doing other things in um that they're not you know doing sport that they're not necessarily you know watching the netflix series that they want to catching up on latest stranger things 
Orange is the New Black. There's so much. <laughs> to quote Sheldon, we're in a golden age of television. <laughs> so there's a lot to take them away from, um, <laughs> from volunteering. So you have to make it a fun, valuable experience. And it doesn't need to be a chore. I think that's what makes my job so enjoyable is I'm always thinking, why would a volunteer do this? What would make them in- enjoy doing this? Mm. Um, so have fun. Think about that all the time. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I think that's that's a good one as well because I suppose the whole f- thing of this is really about how to get you know resource for clubs and actually help upskill mm. people that are wanting to help as well. But you you see so many clubs folding now because there's a lack of volunteers yeah. and it's probably because there's so much work involved yeah. and actually yeah. the, what you're you're spot on about you know it should be fun. Yeah, you, you need to and get I think it, I think it's the big thing that makes it not feel like work. Yeah, because yeah. uh, the way you the way you talk about volunteering is it doesn't sound like a job <laughs> at all exactly. in a good way. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah. So I, absolutely, have fun and and take the time to reflect. And I guess this moves on to my final point: is celebrate. So, you know, it's a, a shame when volunteering starts to feel like a chore. Mm. Um, but if you take the time to kind of step back and write the blog about an awesome volunteer or have the volunteer celebration event where you have a bit of a barbecue maybe um, and celebrate the season, then, you know, make the time for that because it really does put it all in perspective and just brings home, like, how amazing and important it is mm-hmm. at the work that they're doing. Yeah. Um, so factor that into all yeah. volunteer experiences. Include staff, absolutely include staff if you've got staff. Make it a, a whole team thing. Yeah, that's great. So um, what other type of support is available? You've listed quite a lot of organisations there, but what kind of type of you know support, if, if I was a, a club looking for a bit of advice, a bit of guidance, what would be my go-to organisations? So your go-to organisations, I would highly recommend Volunteer Scotland. Um, they kind of... Um, manage volunteering throughout the whole of Scotland. They also do their Investing in Volunteers Award. They've got loads of training. They've got guidance on their website on how to involve volunteers, how to manage challenging volunteer situations, how to celebrate um, your volunteers and make them feel valued. They've got heaps of information on their website, so I'd highly recommend going to Volunteer Scotland. Uh, they're great guys, really friendly, really approachable, very um, easy-to-use guidance. Is it volunteerscotland.org? Sure, why not? Right, we'll check it out. We'll check it out out in the edit. (laughs) Sure, why not? Just Google it. Just everybody should just Google it. Just Google Volunteer Scotland. Um, Look for the third sector interface in your area. For example, in Edinburgh, we've got Volunteer Edinburgh. Um, I think in Perth and Kinross, you've got Perth and Kinross Voluntary Action service um there will be one that kind of helps manage volunteering and also charitable organizations so they can probably help you with other aspects of running a club too like finances and things like that um a couple other things worth mentioning um if you're really interested in volunteer management there's a guy called rob jackson in consulting he's got a blog on volunteering um he's you know the go-to guy who kind of writes loads of books on volunteer management and it's where you can get really up-to-date volunteer management guidance. And I've mentioned the new Alchemy report by NFP Synergy, if anyone can remember that. But that's, you know, a real good overview of uh, the volunteering status in the UK and um, how the sort of face of volunteering is changing and how that changes how we manage volunteers going forward. 
we'll, we'll make sure we put links to all of them in yeah, the... Absolutely. Uh, These are the really notes. helpful resources for people. Yeah. Yeah. And you did mention them, but Sports Scotland do have a kind of a volunteering thing as well. So if you are looking for a volunteer, you can go and post up on their website as well, um, which is, is very helpful. Um, and where can people follow you, Erin, if they want to? So um, if anybody wants to follow me on Twitter... I sometimes post pictures of the work I'm doing or any workshops I'm running <laughs> or cakes that I've baked for the office, <laughs> which might I be the that. real yeah. the real draw, perhaps. Yeah, ve- vegan-friendly cakes the other day. Very vegan, fe- award-winning yeah. vegan-friendly oh, wow, cakes. award-winning. I may have won Best Baker for the wow. office <laughs> okay. if I haven't told the whole world yet. And that's um, on Twitter at Paz underscore Erin, E-R-I-N. Well, thank you so much for coming by to our office and, and chatting to us and giving us a masterclass on, on volunteering. Yeah, it's a pleasure to talk to you. Well, thanks for having me, guys. Okay. Okay, so that was Erin Fulton from Paz. Um, really interesting uh, discussion there. Um, big takeaways for me, Andrew, were uh, just the sense of fun and enjoyment that Erin gets from doing what she does. Uh, and I think that there's a thread that should really run through volunteering for, for any organisation and make it distinctive and different than, than just doing work and not being paid for it yeah very much so and i, I guess as as she says not every organization is going to be in a position where they can have a, a, a volunteer manager but if you do have somebody that's kind of designated to be in that role to look after your your volunteers especially if you've got a big coaching setup or mm. a big club that has lots of activities you're going to have you're going to be very reliant on volunteers um but even if you just have somebody that's kind of approachable and friendly and and um I suppose likable. Yeah, I mean that that sense of enjoyment and uh, and making it lighthearted as well as you know looking after things and doing things really really well. It's not something that costs anything. So regardless of what resources you have, there's always that there should always be that that ability to make it fun and make it enjoyable for people. And some interesting things there about how you kind of uh, I suppose a measure volunteers in terms of the impact, um, but then b also celebrate them as well. So you know having. Yeah. actually counting out the hours that they're doing and kind of coming up with a number in terms of the sort of economic impact but then also you know whether you do something for them at the end of the year or that's right uh, so awards so yeah that, that kind of recognition is probably much more valuable than any reward you could give people sure. for doing it um i think the other the thing i took away from the conversation is that there's a lot that you have to be careful about and you have to be, be, be sensitive to in terms of statute requirements, legal requirements, but that shouldn't stop you from doing it because you can still have that impact that you want to have if you cover those basics uh, really effectively. And the good news is that there's lots and lots of support there for people who want to know what they need to cover, what the requirements are for you know, safeguarding or PVG um, or insurance or any of the other sort of boring but important stuff. Mm. Uh, you don't have to invent this stuff or think it, think it out for yourself. People have covered this already and there's lots and lots of help there and support there for people to, yeah. uh, to get that help. And, you know, retention is such a big thing that actually if you spend a good amount of time with it at the start before you get it all set up and you have a proper system, then it's worth it, worthwhile mm. in the long term, isn't yeah. it? So, yeah. uh, so for, make sure all those links are in the, the notes at the Absolutely. bottom and all those organisations. And do go and follow Erin on Twitter. and Yeah, find out about the cakes. Find out about the cakes and uh, all the other organisations on that list. Yeah. Okay, until next week. We'll speak to you next week. Behind the Goals is a Supporters Direct Scotland podcast. You can get in touch with the show by emailing behindthegoals at hotmail.com or you can also tweet the show at SupDirectScott. That's S-U-P-P Direct Scott.